Well, it's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, the guys review Sorcerer's Arena and Acquire. Also, our boys will join Marty to preview Warhammer The Old World, and Marty and I share a cup of coffee while we talk about Coffee Rush. Thank goodness I am good because Marty had actually written they would review Sorcerer's Errand and they would preview Warhammer The Old Coffee. Hello and welcome to another new year of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 312. Don't give up on us. I'm Tony. Don't give up on us, baby. Is it that one? Yes, sung by. Okay, I didn't know this. Yeah. You I didn't had to know go this. look this up because I liked it. It's like, where did this song come from? From David Soul, who is in Starsky and Hutch. Who is now dead. Oh, recently? He just, yeah, he died this, uh, the, the date of the recording is the 7th. I believe he died uh, the 5th or the 6th. Wow. Okay. So several things. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot to unpack here. <laughs> I, I didn't know he passed away. I had no clue that he sang that song. That's one of those songs that's like, yeah, I've heard it. I mm-hmm. remember it being very popular, but I never put two and two together that it was the blonde headed guy in Starsky and Hutch. That's right. Yes, it was. Is his that was, that was his big breakout song after Starsky and Hutch. He went on to record a you know two or three albums, and that of course was his one hit wonder. But yes, that was the big one, and I thought it was appropriate because you know we were doing songs about people who recently died, and then I thought mm-hmm. you know here's the twelfth season of Rolling Dice and Taking Name. Don't give up on us. We'll still get better. <laughs> <laughs> After 12 years, y'all, we still got a chance to get better. Trust us. It's a Don't growing process. It's Don't. a process. <laughs> it's you a growing be, process. <laughs> that's right. It's it's a uh, it's an investment. You know, you're investing in us growing to get better over time. Right. And if you give up on us now, you will not wreak the pivot. Uh, that's right. The, I mean, if you've benefit. been listening for years and you stop now, then you won't get the, I mean, it'd be a waste of time. So you might as well just stay with us at this point. That's it. Until we give up on us. <laughs> That's right. Who knows yeah, what I, that can be? Oh, yeah. They were showing clips of that. I believe he was 80 or 81 years old, David Soul. And they were showing some things of um, from Starsky and Hutch. And I'm sure it hasn't aged well. But, man, I need to go find that and watch a few of those. Because I enjoyed that growing up. I enjoyed that show. My family didn't watch it a lot. I did like mm-hmm. the car. What was the car in it? It was a, was it a, and this isn't worth five dollars. It was a Grand Torino. Um, no, Grand had, Torino had the thing where it had like the, uh, the trunk in the back, like a pickup truck, didn't it? Oh, that's Here. what that we, was. Okay. We yeah, have we the internet that. as our friend. Uh, it, the, it is. It is a. I mean, it was a sweet car. It was red, had the big stripe. They called it the I tomato. apologize, Tony. It was a Grand Torino, a 1976 Ford Grand Torino. What was the thing? What was the they car had that had like El Camino? A, an El Camino. Thank you, El Camino. Okay, okay. All right, we're all straight here. But everybody was typing. Oh, I'm getting five dollars, baby. Like, no, don't say it. Oh, so yeah. as a Grand Torino, yeah. Okay. And one of the best characters was Fozzie Bear. Oh no, that wasn't Fozzie Bear. Dang, Huggy Bear. <laughs> Huggy bear. Huggy, huggy, huggy bear, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going to check out. Uh, if, if it's wrong, then somebody get $5. Just let us know. No, I think you're right. It's uh, Huggy bear. That's, yeah. that's exactly who it was. Oh, yeah. That, that show, I mean, you know, that was the early cop show where you could beat up on people. And it was the buddy cops. Around. It's a buddy hmm? cop show. There's a lot of a lot of those. The buddy cop show. 
Okay. Uh, I mean, that spawned a lot of them, right? I mean, you know, uh, Chips was a buddy Chip. cop show. Uh, no, I said it spawned a lot of them, and that's the only uh, two that come to mind. Yeah, I have no idea. Hill Street Blues? No, that's Pond. No, that's not really there. Thing. Yeah, buddy cop, yeah. Exactly. It wasn't Columbo. He worked by himself. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Okay, never mind. So there wasn't a lot of them. Uh, hey, it spawned some movies like Lethal Weapon. How about that? There you go. There okay. you go. That, that was a buddy cop show. So yes. Well, there we go. We just filled some of the intro that really didn't have a lot to do, you know? <laughs> That's right. I told Tony, I said, we, we don't have a lot to talk about uh, in the intro. So I pitched something. I don't know how this is going to go. I put hopes and wishes for 2024 in the hobby. So as we approach the new year, is there anything that we'd want or like or something in the process for 2024? And this is probably going to segue into a topic I saw that you put in here in the intro. Uh, intro. For me, when it comes to games in 2024, I just want, I want something that's unique. Anything mm. that is unique is really going to stand out to me at this point. I love playing all types of Euros, etc., but it's really hard for me to find a Euro that has a unique feel that's just going to stick with me. Like if you were to say, if you were to pick up one of the many Euros we played in 2023 and say, what did you think of this? And if it's one of those that it's going to end up, a lot of them are going to end up being white noise. It's like, I remember playing that, but I don't remember much about it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to a game that would really stick with me, which is one I think you talk about in a second, which was Prime Minister. is one of the mm-hmm. ones that's kind of really stuck with me this past year. All right. So for 2024, for me, you know, and I went back and some of our, believe it or not, I actually read the show note early. And I'm like, okay, I remember doing some of our, um, you know, what's going to happen in the board gaming hobby this year, this year, mm-hmm. the great crash, the, the, the bubble's going to burst, all that stuff. And I'm like, okay, so none of this came through. So I'm not going to prog prognosticate anything important or anything like that. Uh-huh. The only thing I would like to see is one of my Kickstarters get fulfilled. That's all. <laughs> okay. What have you backed that you're waiting it was, on? It was Freedom Fighters from um, Arcane Wonders. I believe that was the name of it. It's been so long. Is that the that, Richard Longius uh, game? Yeah, that we played at Tantrum Con down in, uh, is it Greenville? Salisbury? Greenville. Greenville. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He sat there, you know, anytime Alanius does the flavor text, I'm all in, but I really enjoyed it because I enjoyed, you know, his previous games along that same thing. And I'm just like, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm behind this. Okay. And I'm still behind it. I'm still behind it. I, maybe two and a half years now. I don't know. Have you checked an update? Uh, we get monthly updates and supposedly it might show up the first quarter of 2024. It might. Mm. This is the game that's based on Defenders of the Realm, but it's a superhero theme, right? Exactly. But what is from the, um, what is Greater Than Games superhero? Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I can't think of their game. Uh, it's their superhero game the, uh, lineup mm-hmm. that they had. Yeah. I remember playing, sitting there playing out with you and, and, and enjoyed it. That's been three or four years ago easily. Maybe more. Uh, I mean, Tantrum Con's been here in Charlotte. Uh, this is, is this the upcoming going to be the fourth year in Charlotte or the third year? Uh, this will be fourth year. Oh man. I feel like it's going to be fourth. And yeah. it was a couple years before that, that we played right. that down in Greenville. Exactly. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well maybe, maybe I'll get it. I don't know. And I wow. don't think it's, yeah, it's freedom five. That's it. The Sentinel, uh, yeah. Sentinels Free- of the universe. That's it. R- yep. That's it. Yeah. And you know, the last, we, you know, I always save my updates that I get so I can go back and giggle. And mm-hmm. think, okay, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm going back here looking. Freedom Five, Freedom Five. When did I do this? Um, 
Yeah, I backed it. Confirmation of your backing back in uh, February 23rd of 2021. So three years now running. Mm-hmm. Three years. Well, so at, at the height of the pandemic. Yeah. The start yep, of it. Yep. So I, I don't fault them at all for it. It's just, you know, it's we joke about it. So for 2024, I'll be honest with you, in 2024, maybe I'll have my faith back in Kickstarter. I've, I lost my faith in Kickstarter in, in 2022, 2023 with the supply. I just, I'm not doing that. So hopefully it'll turn back in 2024, you know? Well, okay. So that's another wish of mine uh, for this year is a Kickstarter. I really hope that Elder Scrolls, that we got to demo at Gen Con that we did mm. back on Kickstarter is really, really good. I have high hopes for that game. I hope that it meets my expectations of what I want in a board game based in that universe. Right. I, I agree with you. It'd be nice. Chip Theory Games, uh, get that one. Get it here soon. No, that mm-hmm. was, uh, yeah, Elder Scrolls Skyrim. Yep. Uh, it'd be nice to see that one. I'm interested to see what, you know, I don't even go out to the Kickstarter pages anymore in 20. 20- yeah, and maybe I'll do that. And I just don't do it. I don't either. It's I've, aside from that, and Total War, I think that's my only outstanding Kickstarter so that I have. Uh, well, I think we maybe still be waiting on um, Robinson Crusoe, but supposedly uh, good news from Ignacy that will be coming soon. So that's that's good too. Another wish I have for the year: I hope more publishers take up the mantra of less is better. Mm-hmm. I would love to see more emphasis put into higher quality games instead of just a bunch of games sort of deal. And I know everybody says, hey, every game that we put out is high quality. I totally get that. But we also know, too, that after that op- after that window, when something comes out, lots of times it's forgotten. When a game comes out, you have no idea if it's going to reach evergreen status. But I wish that would be the hope of every game of every publisher that puts out a game. It's like mm-hmm. we want something that has staying power. I agree with you that from the standpoint, we don't need more, just need a lot. I don't want to say better because all these games, the games in 2023 were really good. The ones we played, they were really good. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. there were stinkers here or there that we really didn't talk about because that's just how we'd run the show. But all in all, I mean, all the games, but there were just so many, once again, so many, it doesn't need to be that many. You don't need, um, one of the channels I follow, a gentleman just donated his entire game library to a university up in Indiana. Wow. And he says, I think I'll look it up here. Um, but he was like, I, I just needed, I got rid of it all. I will keep getting some come in, but everybody needs to experience this. And I don't need to um, hold on to these anymore. I'm, I'm out of room. I, I really enjoy the games. He, I, I like watching his videos. So, but I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. But for 2024, one of my wishes is like yours is just, I don't, we don't need 400 games coming out. Well, 400, it's thousands of games. I know. I know, but I'm just saying, well, I'm just saying that's really low. If it was only 400 games, that'd be awesome (laughs) as opposed to so many. Uh, Another wish for 2024 for me is maybe that the uh, gaming group that we have, well, you know, maybe we'll, we'll rehash a few games Mm -hmm. and and get some of the old ones back in. I mean, we're, we're recycling some of them. We got a lot of time. So from that standpoint, we can get out there and we can play games that we've played in 2023, 2022, 2019. Um, there's still some in 2020 from 2023 I'd like to um, actually get. I'm hoping that we like Star Wars Unlimited enough that it has oh. some staying power for us. I would love to have a focus game again mm-hmm. that you and I, hey, let's get together and lunch and play this. And, you know, that sort of thing. And just enjoy that part of the hobby of just having this one game you kind of play over and over and never get tired of. 
or at least don't get tired of for a few years. So I hope Star Wars Unlimited captures that feeling. Me too. And hopefully in April, I hope to get in office again and be able to um, actually, when I go into work, have some place to sit down and then I can leave for lunch and meet you. That would be <laughs> nice. <you> <laughs> Well, it's, it's it's hard to come up with an excuse to leave your house for lunch. It's like, oh, I'm going out for lunch. It, well, yeah, it really is. Or I'm, the office I'm sitting in is 45 minutes. You know, it's in the upper part of uh, where we live in Charlotte. I'm in the I'm up past the university area where where mm-hmm. um, my touchdown spot is, or someplace like that. So this way, if, when they do, I'll only be you know 15, 20 minutes. So. Charlotte, Charlotte's a big freaking town, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's getting too big. So, Hey, let us know what you think. What is your hopes and wishes for 2024 in the hobby? Uh, come over to our discord channel. You can find the link on our website, rolldicetechnames.com. Join. And, uh, every time we reach a new hundred member goal, we will give away a uh, gift card. I need to go check and see how close we are to the next one, but come help us out and you're automatically entered. In fact, all of our contests run through discord now. Why? Cause it's easy. <laughs> you know it's see we, we don't make you jump through hoops or anything like that anymore uh so being a member of our discord uh earns you the chance to possibly win some stuff yeah my favorite one was the contest where everybody was giving you different thumbs making it difficult on you oh my gosh yeah so for those who don't know <laughs> i had this one contest i was running and it's like hey thumbs up if you want to enter and then somebody hit like a, a the regular Simpsons color thumbs up. Then somebody generated a more flesh tone thumbs up. And then it's like all these different thumbs up. And see, what I do is I click on that Emoticon and I get a list of everybody that clicked on it. And then I just copy paste that list, do a random and pick somebody. Mm-hmm. So now with people doing all the Emoticons, people started like, uh, it was like, now I got to do each list. And I said, y'all, please, please just do one. And oh my gosh. <laughs> Never ask the internet to do something because they will do the opposite. Yes, they will. <laughs> I, and they were being fun with you. They were just having a I blast know. with you. And it was funny. I'm sitting there thinking, I'm glad I don't want to do this crap. <laughs> He's got to figure this one out. But yeah. And congratulations to our winners in our 2023 uh, season end uh contest that occurred uh, marty has posted and requested contacts from you if you have not seen that go over to the discord and be sure to pm dm whatever m's you want to use to get DM, up with him just yes. direct message me direct, How about that private message direct message contact me cm what else can i come up with? <laughs> i don't know um you know, telephone me, TM. I don't, either way, get up with him so we can be sure to get you your um, winning prize. Mm-hmm. And congratulations once again to all those people. And by the way, back to the wishes. If there's anything you wish Rolling Dice and Taking Names would do in 2024, post over there. Let us know. Be good. Be shorter. <laughs> not saying we'll deliver. I'm saying you're welcome to wish. That's what a wish is. That's you know the saying about, about doing something in one hand and wishing in another, which one's going to fill up quicker. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's good point. So yeah, yeah. Put that out there too. Maybe y'all can give us some ideas. It's like one of those things we didn't have a lot of an idea for an intro. It's like, crap, I wish we would have had a, uh, something we would do for taste buds. We hadn't done one of those in a while. So maybe you guys I have come something. Up. Okay, cool. Maybe uh, all of y'all listening come up with some good ideas for us to do for taste buds. And we'll, we'll, aside from just different flavors of Mountain Dew, we'll try something a little different. That's funny you should ask. I've got a, a the Mountain Dew from the Midwest. I don't think you and I have tried yet. Okay. Uh, Re- uh, Rebecca got that for me. When they were in the Midwest uh, Thanksgiving, they brought one back for you and I to try. Sweet. Unless you've already tried it. Which I don't is, know. What is it? 
Y'all it's remember? orange. I don't remember. Thanks. Okay. Orange Mountain Dew. Got it. Uh, come on. Well, you expect me to remember these things? Now, in episode number 311, Marty mm-hmm. interrupted the broadcast with his own new thoughts after playing Prime Minister for a second time. Yes. Now, I do not have the editing capabilities to insert mine in at any time, and, and that's beside the point. So I want Hold to share on. my... Well, right. For those who didn't listen, we did a full review of Prime Minister from GNT in 311. Stop this. Go listen to that review. Come back. Go. <laughs> <laughs> at three times speed, so you're so you're not having to listen to us tomorrow because that one was a long one. Woo! Yep. I didn't realize how long we talked during that review. Hey, when it's something you like, it's it's hard to not talk about it. I was like, man, we should we should. We're not going to discuss the rules. Five hours later, I was oh, like, we man, didn't. I don't know that we really discussed the rules. We didn't. Okay. No, we didn't. And I'm just like, it wasn't five hours for those of you who are thinking, I ain't going to go listen to this. But so the second playthrough of Prime Minister that I got to experience, it seemed very uh, daunting because we began to separate between the leading government and the government party I was in. The opposition. The opposition. I couldn't remember which one group I was supporting. It was the orange symbol. That's the liberals, but that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't matter. It's just yeah. so, one is the sitting government and one is the opposition. So you're saying when there's a big separation between the two, it, you felt, it felt daunting. So like Nate and I were on the ones that were kind of running away with the points. Right. You were running away and there was no way to capture y'all because we needed to wrestle government from you. Mm-hmm. But during that time, I was noticing that from a strategy standpoint, that we really needed to swing the vote. Mm-hmm. back towards us. So if we did get control, we would suddenly have a mass population or we would be able to carry the vote easier and that would for our party and that would quickly escalate us through to a potential victory if it were to happen. And to be honest, had it not been for one card, I think I could have pulled it off. I think it would have been possible. Yeah, so the game came down to literally a draw of a card. Uh, Nate was sitting at the prime minister spot with 100 points. Well, he was short. He was short because he if he was sitting at prime minister at 100, he oh, automatically wins. Oh, that's right. Wins. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He, w- yeah. he was short. Was it you that were getting ready to take over? Yeah, I was getting ready. Yeah. You were going to resign the go- or you were going to do I've, your splitter. I had already resigned. Okay. I had already resigned from him because I needed to slow him down. But you had enough standing at the time to overtake him. So Nate on his turn literally was like, I'm going to use all my actions to draw cards, to hobnob draw cards. And some of those cards might let you increase your standing. He happened to draw, he drew four. One of them let his increase his standing by one, which kept you from taking over. And he ended up winning. And I I remember we said, I wish it wouldn't hadn't happened because I would have loved to have seen how it worked because I honestly think you were in the position to win at that point, even though on the board, you were behind by a lot of points. Right. And we played it out just to, cause the other <clears throat> gentleman, Kevin, who was playing with us, he was like, I don't like this. I don't like that. It felt like it was hopeless. Right. And I'm like, so let's play it out. And we did, we, we quickly went, ran through it and we may have been able to pull off a victory, but then he would have had to resign from me because only one person can win at prime minister at a hundred and you have to split it up. Now I do think that one of the, things we were discussing at this time was the fact that, you know, maybe when you're elected prime minister at the beginning to either quickly break the government, um, break the pack at the, you know, within a few turns, and maybe as prime minister, since you lose all standing, when you lose it, 
basically say, hey, let's go ahead and hold the election after the second round of bills. Mm. I'm fine. I will. I lost, but now I can bill my standing back up. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a lot of, and I think there's a lot of strategy that we have not even come close to tapping yet on yep. that game. Yep. And it'll be interesting to see. I, I, of all the games, I think that will hit the table again for us when we maybe possibly get our Saturday game days in, that it will be that one. I'll, I'll, I'll be like, okay, let's play it now. Let's play it. Let's do it again. And again, another one of the reasons why is because rules wise, it is a simple game to teach. We taught two brand new guys that day and the rules teach really wasn't that long. No, it wasn't. It was real straightforward. They understood it. Now the first round came in and you even introduced a new rule during the game that I didn't play on the event cards, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. I've got, I've got a question. I got a question. So there's a variant that I thought would be fun. So uh, during the prime minister's turn, he draws a random event card from the top and has to deal with it. Usually it's bad stuff and he has to spend his action cubes to keep really bad things from happening. This variant is everybody else sitting at the table who's not prime minister um, at the beginning before bills are passed and there's no bills on the board. Everybody gets to draw two events. And when it comes to the prime minister's turn, he said, does anybody have a question for me? Each of us can look at our event cards and raise our hand and say, I have a question for you. And he gets to pick whose event he wants to deal with. And then you ask the question, like, for example, this one came up, uh, Mr. Prime Minister, there happens to be a, there was a railroad crash in Ireland. What are you going to do about it? And then you present them the card. Strategically, it's really cool because the prime minister knows the opposition party is going to try to throw really tough decisions towards him where he can pick the person on his side However, he, that person on his side only has two cards, or maybe the person that's in his same government, the cards aren't really good at all. I ran into that situation to where mm-hmm. I don't want my prime minister to have these cards because they're really bad cards. I like that variant. I thought it was really right. cool and thematic. And you don't have to raise a question. So you can sit there, like you said, if you had the bad cards, you can, does anybody have a question? Yes, your side, Mr. Prime Minister, I, I do not want to do this. Or you may be getting ready to um, <clears throat> do a coup. You might be <laughs> getting ready to swing favor your way and become prime minister. So you do give him a hard choice. Yeah. So that was that was an interesting one. Yeah. Believe it or not, y'all, that was the light game for the day. <laughs> yes, we finally did it. Well, we semi did it. For years, years, our bucket list game is what I'm going to put. I've always wanted to try an 18xx game. And so I bought what was a lot of people said, hey, this might be the good one to go into. It's 1846. We sat down knowing we're not playing a full game. We just want to slowly kind of work through the mechanics to see if we can understand 18 an 18XX game. And I, I don't know that I still fully understand it after doing it for, what, two hours? I can't remember how long we played. I will say that from a standpoint, I went back and watched more of the videos, more of the things, and there might have been some minor discrepancies in some of the things we were doing, but okay. all in all, we were on top of the rules. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, I mean, none of us had played. So, yeah, so here you go. Four people who just finished up Prime Minister now dropping 1846 on the table and trying to go through the rules. With so some of us, we've watched videos. Some of us had old rule books. So that was a challenge. 
So you mm-hmm. need to download the new rule books. Make sure you go over to GMT and grab those or whoever your publisher is of the 18 series that you've got. It was a very straightforward thing. There's a stock round, two operating rounds, next step. <laughs> yeah. you know? I love how you simplify this down to, okay, there's a stock round. To, and, no, I understand. The complexity is what is in those rounds, <laughs> right? Now, I will say one big help for all of us that have played uh, City of the Big Shoulders where that mm-hmm. game introduced the concept of you have your own personal player funds and you have company funds, that mechanic was introduced to us. So in this 18XX system, we already understood, oh, in stock rounds, I have my personal supply that I'm buying stocks and in other companies or even possibly buy a company. When we go to the operating rounds, I'm then using a different set of funds. I'm going to use the funds that's in a particular company. That concept wasn't new to us. And I think playing City of the Big Shoulders helped me personally. And I think the challenge, even though I boil it down to three simple things that you're doing in a a round, I think it's one of those things. It's all the little, um, as a GMT, you know, you have section three rule, section 3.1. Oh, but let's really talk about section 3.1.1 and section (laughs) 3.1.2, 3.1.3. Let's talk about those rules and how they impact the game that you are currently playing, such as, I mean, the operating round was fairly straightforward, you know, Uh, the private companies take their turns and then the corporations take their turns and you have to do these actions in this order. Um, You can, you know, lay track, you can find, you can um, do a station and uh, you can then, you need to buy an engine. There are other steps in there, but it was like, okay, these are pretty straightforward. Oh, wait. Laying track, you have to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Buying an engine, it requires this. Oh, and then when you generate income for the company, when you run your engines, what does that really mean? And how does it calculate all the money on top of that? And what are the restrictions from that? That's the meat. That's where you've got, once you get that, yeah, once you get that down, it's a stock market game of trying to buy low, sell high, mm-hmm. and make the most money. I think the thing that you guys grasped quicker than I did is once you run your engine, running your engines, how you generate income for the company. And then you have a decision to either pay out no dividend, full dividend or half the math and decisions behind that. I think y'all mm. grasped quicker than I did. I need to slowly walk through that again. Cause I didn't know which was better for me at what time and which way I should go sort of deal. That's, that's the part that hurt me. So I'm really anxious to play again to see how that really works. And I'll probably ask, I don't, I don't know how, how what's the math on this for half dividend, <laughs> full dividend? What are y'all getting? What am I keeping? How many shares are out there? What do you, the bank gets it. Oh, sorry, I can sell shares to the bank and get money back, but I don't want the bank to have all the share. You know, it's all this stuff going on. I put shares in the stock market or the company has them. So you go buy them from the stock market because if there's any shares in the stock market at the end, you drop the price of the stock. Oh, that's one way to short the company. Oh, let's do that. Oh, we're getting ready to run that company down that Tony has so that we can later turn it around on him. Oh, one thing I do not like, there's freaking player elimination. Yeah. You got to play smart. A a player can go bankrupt. And from what I understand, that's the game for them, right? Mm -hmm, That's it. You're done. Okay. You're out. So that would suck. Anyway, uh, that's, I mean, high level first impressions, but I enjoyed it. It's one of those, okay, I'm ready to play again. So I don't forget the rules because I just want to see how this all works in motion. It is dry. 100%, 100%, like you said, it is a dry simulation of a stock market game, but you know, I kind of like stock market games. 
Yeah, playing with trains. I mean, yeah. Probably my favorite part about this, and I though I do love these type of I the pick up and deliver portion of games like this. This does not mm. have it. And mm. I and I like that. You like not having pick up and deliver. I like not having okay. pick up and deliver where I can just concentrate on you know, getting, dealing with the stocks and running the company over, okay, I've got to move purple cubes though. I, re, what is it? Railways of the world, or I can't remember the top one. I, I love that game. And that is a pickup and deliver type yes. game with stocks and blocking people in this game. There, there were just a lot of, like I said, dot this, dot that in the rules. It's you're like, okay, I've got to remember all this, but once you get it on the table and, and walk through it a couple of times, and we were helping each other. It, this yeah. was not a game to try to win. This was a game to try to understand. And, and no, we did not finish. Uh, Tony had a hard stopping point. Let's said, let's just go to five and let's just see how far we can go and how best we can understand the game. I think everybody was like, okay, we need to set this up again because at least getting into the game won't take as long. No. And I think all four of us would go our separate ways, kind of refresh through the rules again, then come back. And I think we'd be ready to hit the ground running. Yeah, if we hadn't hard stopped, we had all slept over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of stuff. Now, now, pulling away from games before we get over to the reviews. Now, there, I had to do some uh, insulation stuff, and I got that great stuff. You know what that is, right? Where I have no clue what that is. That's that insulation in a can where you spray it and it expands. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, right. Sticky as all get out. Until it dries, and, I guess, yeah. Till it dries, got to wear gloves. I went through like uh, four pairs of gloves of, of gloves from um, this regular um, food prep gloves. I hate that stuff. I've had to use it before. I hate that stuff. It fall. Oh, it is just such a pain. Did you just have some insulation missing and you need to fill in, or you just had some spots you need to? Fill it in? was some insulation, or it was actually cracks under the cabinets where, and I didn't realize just how bad they were the draft and we've had some recent cold air coming in mm. and i was like okay i mean the stuff is amazing if you make it work right and the other thing the tube that has the insulation in it as it comes out of the can once that seals if you didn't use all the insulation in that can it's done mm-hmm. that can okay. useless to you and the reason why i put it on the show notes is because if i get stuck to anything on my desk because the stuff got on my hands even though i was wearing gloves that stuff is so I mean, I was like, holy cow. I'm, you know, what was it? There was a Christmas uh, vacation with Chevy Chase where he has the Mm -hmm. pine and he's ripping the magazine apart. Oh, that's right. He get the pine (laughs) sap on his finger. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that was boring in y'all, but I needed to bring y'all down a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We talked about games for way too long in this intro. So we had to bring in a non-gaming topic. So why don't we just kick it over to the reviews? Did y'all miss the Kickstarter for Game Toppers? No worries, you can still take advantage of some of the biggest savings Game Toppers has offered on package deals, mat bundles, and over 40 unlocked stretch goals. 10 new mat styles from artists like Vincent Toutre. The new designer Art Mycroft Topper with rail art from Brent Woodside. The young Sherlock Movable Children's Coffee Table. And some super cool mat storage solutions like the Baker Street Irregular Mat Caddy. So if you happen to miss it, maybe because of the holidays or something like that, don't worry. It's a new year. The late pledge is open. He's going to be shipping out these over the next several months. So get over to GameToppersLLC.com. 
hit that late pledge, get a new topper, get a new mat. You won't regret it. Tony, I never thought that we would cover a game on this show that was actually older than us. How is this game older than us? Acquire by Sid Jackson came out in 1963 and is still a popular stock market style game. It has recently been, it's been reprinted several, well, you're, you're stunned. I am really stunned. I didn't think anything was older than us. There's been several versions of this game going back to, to Avalon Hill, but the most recent is from Renegade Games. So it has a new look and feel. So if you have an older version, this doesn't play any different. But Tony, at the core of this game is you've got a nice plastic grid that has rows from A to F and columns 1 to 12. You have a token for each one of those cells. And on your turn, you're going to take one of those cells and place it on the board. If you happen to place it beside another cell and create two cells together, you can put a hotel on the board. Because the goal of this game is to put hotels on the board, buy stock of that particular hotel. And over the course of the game, these hotels are going to merge when they touch each other, one will soak up the other one and make one hotel a lot bigger and the other one's off the board. But the goal is at the end of the game, sell all your stock back and Sue has the most money and the most money wins. That's it. Pretty simple. Except for me, because I kept merging things and having the wrong stock at the wrong time or being a stock short. God, it was so frustrating. But I enjoyed playing this. I like the simplicity of it. I like the simplicity of understanding, okay, what do I need to do to make this happen? You know, to make trying what to happen? Fig- to make the, to make it, make the acquire occur. How long do I hold on to these tiles? Mm. Can, you know, do I keep pushing the, my luck on this? And I did. And it bit me one time for a game like this. It was like, oh man, where, where's the complexity in this? Where's the strategy in this? That will that to me was a strategy. Oh, when do I play these tiles? Yeah, because you, know? you always have six tiles that you can play. On your turn, you must always play a tile. Then you can buy stock of any hotel that's on the board. The stock value is based on the size of the hotel. Basically, you're just going to count the number of squares uh, in that hotel's area, and that determines the value of the stock. You can buy up to three stocks. Then you draw a new tile, and, and your turn is over. But like I said, if at ever at a point in time... Uh, you join two cells together that is not part of a hotel chain. You get to pick up one of the hotels, put it on the board. You automatically claim a share of that stock. And then that stock is now available to be bought by others. I think what's interesting, Tony, is is there's three levels of uh, hotel sizes. There was two small ones, three mid ones, and two large ones. The two large ones value the stock was way higher. For example, it's like we, if you had a size three uh, of the bigger hotels, those stock prices were $500 a share. But mm-hmm. for the small hotels, you needed a size of five to make the stock worth $500 a share. So that's what makes the strategy for me is de- deciding which ones do I want to invest in. I want to invest in the large hotels if they're getting ready to be sucked up by a smaller hotel, because when a merger happens, you can either sell the stock outright for whatever the value of the stock was. You can turn in two of the acquiesced stock shares for one of the one that's being merged into, or just hold on to it because there's a chance that hotel may come back on the board later. I thought I was in a great position. How can I pull out the win for this? What I was not doing well was tracking who had how much money. It was hidden information. 
it was hidden information, but I think we could have said, oh, okay, so, you know, Bert's been winning a lot of these acquires. He's had the most stock in all of this. We didn't mention why that's an important deal. When a merger happens, whichever hotel chain's being merged into another one, whoever has the most stock of that hotel that's being merged into will get a bonus. Whoever has the second most gets another bonus. That's where Bert destroyed us because mm-hmm. those bonuses pay out a lot. And he was the primary stockholder, the majority stockholder, many of the times when those hotels merged. He sucked. <laughs> And this is a guy who hates stock market games. He does not like him at all. All of a sudden, oh, he's a fan now. Well, I think a lot of it was when we were sitting there playing, I was not getting the concept of of the merger. I want to play it again so I can, so I can understand what's going to happen here. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. So this is the first time you've played the game. All of the rest of us have played before. So you were coming into it brand new. Yeah, but simple, easy to understand what was happening. It was just, okay, how do I get this various strategy? What do I need to do in order to pull off this win or to be the one that's got the most stock? Fun game, something older than we are and still fun. Mm -hmm. Now I will say, because there are multiple versions, you may have a preference for an older version or something like that. I do like the board of this one. The hotels are nice. The stock cards itself are pretty flimsy. Mm-hmm. They they were really, really thin. It does come with paper money, but we didn't use it. We used the nice iron clays uh, from Roxley. So I finally got to pull out the good, nice poker <laughs> chips, uh, which was fun to play with. So when you think for a stock market style game, this is a good one kind of introduce people to this type of game. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and I mean, just watching it build on the board, that'll hold them. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's fun to watch it build and to come up with you know, some of the strategies. I mean, they may not get it the first time, but my gosh, I'll admit it did take a little bit longer to play than I thought it should. I felt like it was taking too long, but maybe that's just because of how, you know, we were trying to be so strategic. Well, it does. The playing time is say it's 90 minutes. Really? I agree. When you start the game, you think this is going to be a quick game, but it does go Mm -hmm. longer than what you think. And it does play two to six players. So it can support a lot of people playing too. But again, what is fun at the end of the game, when you know you're holding the one tile that can join two chains together, Mm -hmm. and that's the only way it can be joined, it's a timing thing. How long do I hold onto this tile, and which of the stocks do I buy so that when the merger happens, I'm in the best position to be rewarded for it? I held on a tile way too long. I should have let let it go. Let it go. Mm -hmm. Sorry. So I was like, dang it. So anyway, uh, this is a game that if you're listening to this, you may have played many times in the past. And if you haven't, it's definitely worth checking out. If you have an old version that's all beat up and everything, you can now get the new one from Renegade Games that is a choir from Sid Saxon all the way back from 1963. y'all it's Vanessa and this time I'm not doing an intro I'm gonna let you in on a little that was totally inappropriate sorry it would have gone with what I was about to say and you just blew it (laughs) I was gonna let the listeners in on a little tradition we started this Christmas okay which was I've been doing it for a long time but you finally joined me and the boys and drinking a nightly cup of of decaf coffee. And why is it I'm able to now drink decaf coffee or coffee in general? 
Because you came to your senses? No, because I had to put enough flavoring in it of some sort in order to get by the bitter taste of coffee. I'm not a black coffee drinker like Travis and, and Brett, Brett are just and straight Adam. black <laughs> coffee drinkers. And you and I... It looks like it's just, we put so much cream and stuff well, in it. it looks just I was like, about to say, you, I have drank creamer for 27 years now, because that's how old Adam is. And I did not start drinking coffee until I was pregnant with Adam. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. I never drank coffee until I was pregnant. And then I only drank decaf. Mm-hmm. And then I, it like, it's literally half and half. Well, I don't know. Maybe not quite half and half, but I use a lot of creamer. I always have. We know how it's one of those things to where, like, you know, with a cigar, you're not going to enjoy a cigar first time you have it. It takes a while to acquire taste. That's what's happened with coffee. Oh, but you have found some really good coffees for us. Yes, from uh, online from like Bones and Geek Grind. Yes, yeah. So we found a particular flavor, Paladin, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. And decaf. And decaf. We literally drank a cup. Every night. But why are we talking about coffee right here? What, what's going on? Well, I was getting... Oh, man, you are impatient tonight. Well, the clock is Slurping running. It's, it's already and, a long episode. Hey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you finally started drinking coffee with us. Mm-hmm. And then you're always, Vanessa, will you play a game? And I'm like, Vanessa, will you play a game? <laughs> so you said, Vanessa, will you play this game? It's coffee themed. And I said, Sure. So we sat down with a cup of coffee, you opened up the game, and I had a fit over the components. So this game is Coffee Rush, a game designed by Yu Jin Han. It comes to us from Korea Game Boards, which is why I was interested in. I was in, I'm interested in trying a lot of uh, games designed by Asian designers, uh-huh. and the theme just makes sense. Coffee Rush, you're a barista in a coffee shop trying to fill coffee orders. And the box itself is beautiful. It's a beautiful, like, painting on the cover of the game box. A painting of all the people that you would find in a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, yes, you play as a barista. So, let me tell the fun components, and then you can tell the rules. Well, well yeah. Well, I, you know, the, the rules are going to be really straightforward. I will say, when you see this thing, on, when you open the box... I'm just immediately blown away. It's a small box, two to, two to four players, plays in 30 minutes. But the components of this thing are outrageous. I was immediately attracted to all the different components and how beautiful they are. And I want to describe them. Go for it. Okay. First of all, you have coffee mugs. And they're the crystal. They're like crystal coffee mugs. Mm-hmm. They're beautiful. And you're going to gather components to make ingredients to make different types of coffee. Mm -hmm. Cappuccinos, mochas. Cocoa, uh, lattes. Lattes, uh teas. There were different teas. uh, Yes. Your components consist of cute little green tea leaves, beautiful cubes that look like little ice cubes, and they're acrylic. You can actually see through them. I love them. Little coffee beans that actually look like coffee beans. Little squares that look like caramels. Then you have blue droplets of water. I love those. And then you have like a frosted little component that is um, representative of steam. Mm -hmm. And then you have like a little... It looks like white chocolate, but that will represent your cream or milk. Or mm-hmm. milk. And then you have what looks like a little tiny section of a Hershey bar for chocolate. So you have your eight ingredients. 
your card that you will get, and Marty will tell you how to do that, <laughs> will tell you which components you need to get, and you gather them, and then you put them in your little coffee mug, and when you do that, then that card is completed. Mm-hmm. And it is just so much fun to gather those <laughs> and put them in the cup. I just want to sit here right now as we're talking and pick them up. Everything is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So. High quality, top notch components, plastic or acrylic. At the beginning of the game, everybody's going to get three of those little coffee mugs. Let's say back to the components, though, it's a nice storage for them. Oh, yeah. So it almost looks like they're not from, I don't know if they're from game trays, but they look like the game tray type storage boxes. So each of these components aren't just loose in a bag or whatever. They give you these nice little trays to store them in. So as you play the game, you leave them in the trays Mm -hmm. and you can transport to them to your cup. Mm -hmm. So you have your player board in front of you Mm -hmm. and you're going to draw order cards from a deck and they're going to go at the top of your, of your board and the cards will tell you exactly what you need. Hey, this this cocoa needs it needs milk, cocoa, and steam. And mm-hmm. you're going to try to collect those, put those into a mug, and when you complete that order, you put it off to the side, and that's going to score you victory points at the end. Tell us how we collect those. Well, there is a board in the middle of the table of a four by four grid, and each of the cells of this grid contains one of those components that Vanessa listed earlier. You're going to have a meeple on the board, and on your turn, you can move one to three spaces orthogonally, and as you move, you get to pick up that ingredient, and if you can use that ingredient, you put it into the cup that you're going to need, that you can uh, try to an order you're trying to fulfill, and if you can't use it, it just goes back to the supply. And then on your turn, after you put your components or ingredients back into the supply, then you take your cards. You have four different sections, if you will, on your board. You slide your cards down, draw another order card. For two players. For two players, you draw another another one. Yeah, we only played two player. And the game plays up to four. Four. And so the rules will change. Yeah. For for three or four, you don't you don't draw that card. And again, those cards represent orders. And they go to the top of your board saying this is the uh, most recent order you got. Over time, they're gonna slide down Mm -hmm. through four different slots. Mm -hmm. At the end of your turn, if there's an order in slot number four and it goes off the board, you didn't fulfill that order. Somebody is unhappy, and that's going to count as negative points at the end of the game. And I would say as we got maybe halfway through the game, I started feeling like a barista. I was like, I'm going to have to get a steam for this and a cream for that and chocolate. And I felt a little bit of, of stress. One thing I really do like about this game is as you complete orders – you're going to cause the other players to draw orders based on the number of ones you completed. So now that yes. you now that you know that you've got these orders you got to fulfill, you kind of want to control how many you get. Well, if somebody starts completing a lot of orders quickly, they're going to force you to draw. So let's say in a three or four player game, if I complete two orders, the player to my left will draw an order card and the player to their left will draw another order card and put it in their tableau. So now they got all these extra orders and pressures to deal with when mm-hmm. it comes to their turn. Mm-hmm. So you have four different sections and you might have two or three orders going on in two or three different sections. And mm-hmm. yeah. And you obviously want to fulfill the orders that in slots three and four before they rotate off. So then you got to strategically determine, okay, where do I need to be in order to get the right ingredients for those particular orders? Yes. So every ingredient has two spaces except for your chocolate, your water, your caramel, and a tea leaf. And those only have one. But there are ways where you can get advantages in moving. Everybody has four slots on their card where they can unlock special abilities. 
what you'll do is take three completed orders and discard them. So they won't count towards points toward the end, but they can unlock a special ability such as giving you the ability to move diagonally. Mm-hmm. When you move into one of those spots that uh, there's only one of on the board, collect two of those. Which was good. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's one if you're in the corners, you can collect two of those. Or you can go into a place where somebody else is and take two pieces from there, which you typically can't do unless you spend movement points. Yes. And I said earlier that there was a way to get that fourth movement, but mm. by golly, I forgot what it was. Oh, we there got our is. little special. Yeah. So there are some order cards that had a special yes. Um, yes. ability. They were a little bit harder to fulfill. Yes. But when you did, you got a rush token. And on your turn, you could spend a rush token to take one extra move. And I found through the game that I did that often. If I got one, I used it. But you kind of saved them. It turned out in the end that we tied. We had the Mm -hmm. same amount of points. Oh, and you get your points. You may have said it. You get it by your completed orders, and you just count those up, and that's... That's how you tally your points. One point per order, minus Mm -hmm. one for every one you didn't finish, and two points for every upgrade that you got. Right. As you hear, it's a very simple game to play. Move on a grid, collect components, try to complete orders. I think what gets really interesting about the game is as you play the game more and more, you're going to try to fulfill as many orders as you can on your turn and then make everybody else have to draw that many orders. So maybe you want to strategically, it's like, well, I can fulfill this order this turn, but maybe I'm going to try to wait till next turn and try to do multiples at once and force people to get a bunch of cards that they have to deal with. And if they can't, scrolls off the bottom and they get negative victory points. And if anybody ever has five orders they didn't fulfill, the game will immediately end or the game will end once you go through the order deck. So we're making it sound like it's really easy to fill an order. It's not really easy. Like it would sometimes take three turns. Like I felt those cards were clicking down and I did feel a little pressure Mm -hmm. because they're strategically placed in their grid. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. And again, with more meeples on there, you kind of kind of move around people. Now you can move into a space where somebody else is and collect something, but it costs you two movement points to do so. And the meeples are little baristas with their little aprons on. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Get your apron on. I just, like, I actually want to pour coffee in this little, (laughs) I'm calling it crystal. It's, again, acrylic, but it's see-through and it actually looks like glass. Mm -hmm. I want to pour coffee in there. There would be a lot of coffee. They're pretty small. Uh, And and espresso. (laughs) That's right. A little bitty, tiny espresso. espresso I have to say again how beautiful the art is because not only is it the cover, but it is also the bottom portion of the box where all the components are kept. It is such a cute scene all the way around Mm. it. Looks like a cute coffee shop. There is a nice organizer in the box for keeping everything too. So I'm really surprised that a game, you know, this quick game, plays in 30 minutes, very easy to learn, very easy to understand. They really could have cut out a lot of the production and just use cardboard tokens to represent the ingredients. But they really went all, all oh, yeah. out with these nice components. And I think this will help because to me, this is more of a family style game where you could probably teach somebody that doesn't play a lot of games. And I think they'll get into it more because of the pieces themselves. Oh, yeah. You you actually feel like you're making these different coffees and Mm -hmm. it makes you want to sit and drink a cup of coffee or tea yeah that's right that's right coffee rush korea board games i'm I'm glad we got to try it it's one of those again that's more of a family friendly game and it does play in about 30 minutes the rules are a little bit different for two players so that you go through the deck a little bit quicker and ages was eight and up and i think that's very 
accurate. And again, the stress of the game is trying to get those orders filled mm-hmm. before they go off the board and possibly trying to hurt somebody else by forcing them to take orders that they normally wouldn't. Nah. Yeah. Nah. It's not a cooperative game. You are competing against each other. Nah. <laughs> nah, no competition. Just fun making little coffees. So that is Coffee Rush, two to four players, 30 minutes from Korea Board Games. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. Before there was Lorcana, there was another game called Disney's Sorcerer's Arena, Epic Alliances, and this was from the OP designed by Sean Fletcher. And Marty, for me, this the, the best way to describe this, it's a skirmish game. Mm-hmm. It's a battle royale. Between two Disney characters against two other Disney characters by using uh, a clever card play. And the reason why Marty says two, because you can't have three, is because we only play chapter one and chapter two. Mm. I didn't give him a third one, but you can have up to three because I'll... Okay, first, I want to point this out. The rule book has four chapters in it, and it walks you through playing the game. I love that rule book. It was like, okay, now let's give you a taste of this. Let's take the complexity up. Oh, now when you get to this, you'll be able to draft the various um, people that you want to play. Let's say you want to be Mickey or Gaston or Aladdin or Sully or Dr. Fausseler, which is from um, the, the Princess's Frog or the Frog. I can't remember. It's not worth $5, people. Maleficent and Ariel. Team those three up, and whoever plays King of the Mountain gets the most victory points, wins. One of the first things I'm going to say about this game is it is through card play that you're battling. Same thing with all these skirmishes, Marty. It's it's, it's the same thing, pretty much, when you play these types of games. Uh, Yeah, 100%. So it's played on a hex board. Uh, Your character has different sort of movements and different sort of attacks. And uh, you're, like you said, it's kind of king of the hill. You're trying to take over certain zones in the middle of the board. And you're scoring victory points if you can end your turn there. So it's a constant battle trying to push these people uh, basically off these scoring zones, which is very common in a lot of miniatures games, uh, like uh, what used to be War Machine and uh, some scenarios like Age of Sigmar, 40K, stuff like that. One of the things I enjoyed about the game was the fact that it plays quick, fast. I enjoyed how the characters, there was this initiation track, easy to follow whose turn it was going to be. You have these status markers that go out. That you can, when you remove a token and when all of those are gone, the status is gone. Just a, a lot of nice things that I think for younger families, easy to play. And probably the biggest positive for me about this game was standees, acrylic standees. I love those. I've always liked acrylic standees because they're full color front and back. So they have, you can see which way a person is facing and it just looks really nice. I mean, on your turn, it's going to be very simple. You can use a standard movement. You play a movement card or you can do a standard attack or play an action card that uh, you can use during the action phase. So I like the status tokens. Usually when you think of status tokens, you think of stuff like, oh, I'm stunned, which is true. I mean, there's something like that. Mm-hmm. And after the after every round, you lose a status token and it eventually goes away. But uh, for Mickey, when I played, I was trying to get actually tokens on a broom. And as long as tokens were there, it actually gave me additional abilities. So I was trying to play cards that kept tokens on that broom so that would unlock abilities for Mickey. Yeah. And to your point, though, if so, usually in these games, when someone is stunned, you put something on the figure. Here, you're putting it on the initiative track on the, on the event that is in, impacting the character. 
if you want to play a very quick King of the Hill type game, and we keep using the same term, because to be honest, there may be other setups, but this is one of those I think you're going to lean towards just doing the King of the Hill to get it out and trying to figure out some of the better combinations of players. Mm -hmm. There's a draft mechanic in this on how gets who gets to pick which characters, which sets the initiative track. All that's part of this game. And they've all, of course, got a whole bunch of expansions with a whole bunch of other characters that you can play. So very quick skirmish game. I enjoy these things. I, I'm, it's one of these things that I think if Rebecca still lived with me, she and I would play it all the time just so we could have our Disney characters out there. And it's easier to find than Lorcana. I'm sorry. I had to take a shot. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, Lorcana is getting a lot easier. I saw it in Target. It's actually in Target. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, started to actually in Target. Uh, so this game does play up to four players. Uh, so I guess there's a, a team mode. It only mm-hmm. plays in 30 minutes. The insert and everything in the box is nice, so you can keep all the character decks and everything all, all together. Again, it's not doing anything drastically new, but it is giving a good, what I would say is an entry point, especially if you've got kids who enjoy Disney-type characters and stuff like that, an entry point into this skirmish-style game of moving figures and characters around a map, trying to position you know, hey, I've got a ranged weapon. I got to make sure I'm within range of the attack to be able to do some damage to them. Hey, how do I use this special ability? So I think as a family style game, it is perfect. And obviously the theme is tailor made for families. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. I think everybody will enjoy this game if they give it a chance. So go out there and take a look for Disney's Sorceress Arena Epic Alliances. Five minute initiative is complete. Each episode, you hear us talk about all the great games over at Portal Games that you can find at shopportalgames.com. Well, you know how I find out a lot of my information? What I do is I have subscribed to the Portal Games YouTube channel, and each week, Ignacy makes a little 15 to 20-minute blog highlighting some of the things that's going on with the company, whether it be updates on the Kickstarter from Robinson Crusoe or some maybe possibly new releases of games or maybe some new solo scenarios that's released for games on the website. That's where I get all my information from. They do a great job over there with these videos. The editing is really good. He has a good presence on camera. He's funny. And again, like I said, it's the best way to keep up with what's going on with this company. So make sure to head over to YouTube, search for Portal Games, and subscribe to their channel for all their weekly updates. And to buy those great products, head over to shopportalgames.com. In 2019, Games Workshop teased the return of Warhammer Fantasy, which is one of their classic games from decades ago. And we here at the Connell household have been super excited about the return of Warhammer Fantasy, which is now called Warhammer The Old World. And when it comes to miniature games and RPGs, I always like to defer to the experts. I know a lot about card games and board games, but when it comes to this, there's some people here that little bit more knowledge will keep up with this stuff more than I do. And that are my two sons, Brett and Travis. It would be Adam if he was here. He would be included in this too, but he is in Jacksonville. So thank you guys for coming and help me out. So let's go back. Did y'all ever play Warhammer Fantasy, the original? Previously to 2019? No, I have not played Warhammer Fantasy, but I was introduced to the idea of Warhammer Fantasy very early on through that World of Warhammer book. That sort of like art book, history book. Oh, yeah, yeah. But also the Warhammer uh, MMO 
Warhammer Fantasy MMO. Yeah. So, Age of Reckoning or something like that. Yeah, Age of Reckoning, I think it was oh, called. That was based on the fantasy world, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. So both of those things were my introduction to Warhammer Fantasy, and I was interested in playing, but obviously I I did not play because I was very young at the time. So people may be wondering, well, wait a minute, isn't there another game that's fantasy-based from Warhammer? And it is. There's a game that we've talked about before, Age of Sigmar, which replaced Warhammer Fantasy. And in the lore, there's some things that have changed and stuff, but the game itself also changed to be more mimicking of what we have in 40K. We have some individual models and units moving around on the board. This, the old world, goes back to the old Warhammer Fantasy of rank and file. And for those who don't know what that is, what's a good explanation of the rank and file system? So rank and file, and I've also heard some people refer to these kind of games as rank and flank. Mm. So the sort of difference is if you're familiar with 40K or Age of Sigmar, those models are on round bases. Here, the models are on square bases. The big difference here because of that is that you organize each of your units into individual regiments. And so things like how wide uh, your unit is and how many rows it has, how many ranks and files it has does actually have an impact on the gameplay, but also has an impact on the movement. Cause if you're familiar with 40 K and age of Sigmar, you kind of are able to measure one model and then you can sort of eyeball it, move the rest with it or move them all individually. And it's very free form in the way it's movement. And the fact that you don't have to keep them in a certain uh, formation the entire time. But with the rank and file system here, you can't think about things in terms of individual models. It is one unit, one regiment, and they move together. And the movement is a very big part. We'll get to that in the uh, rules later. But sort of that's like the biggest thing. You will have your models in individual regiments all really moving as one, as opposed to a single unit being 15 individual models you kind of move around. And it sort of gives the idea that it's uh, less skirmishy than Age of Sigmar and more sort of representing a larger battlefield, sort of like historical and how like you would organize your troops into legions and you would s send them in. That's sort of the idea that they were going for and kind of like a broadly speaking how it's different than Age of Sigmar. And if you want to picture this, picture basically a lot of models on square bases that are what's put onto what's called movement trays. So you have a certain uh, row, a certain number in a row, a certain number in a column, they're sitting in a tray and you move the whole tray, which takes care of every model in it. And as you do combat and stuff, the strength of the, is it, what is it regiments? Is it what they so, call It's a unit. Okay. So the so strength of the unit yeah. is based on the number of models in that tray. And as you take damage, you're going to pull off individual models from that tray. Yep. That's how the movement trays work. And we've talked a little bit about the difference between Age of Sigmar and this. Now, Age of Sigmar and 40K are a lot closer to each other. So if you play 40K, those are going to be very similar. Yeah. So are there any other major differences as far as gameplay between uh, uh, Old World and Age of Sigmar? Definitely. I think one of the big things about Age of Sigmar, one of the things it does very well is it moves really quickly. And if you look at units in Age of Sigmar right now and you look at a – I forgot what the officially sanctioned GW term for the stats are, what the stat card is called. But when you look at the stat card – Every unit will have its like two hit and two wound chance and it'll be, it's all a D6. So three plus four plus five plus things like that. In old world, it's a little different. If you're in melee combat, 
all units have a statistic called weapon skill, WS, and that's represented as a number between 1 and 10. Your chance to hit someone depends on your weapon skill compared to the opponent's. So if your weapon skill is even, there's a 50% chance to hit, which represents two equally skilled combatants fighting each other. But the greater the difference is, the either more or less likely. So, Such as if you have a higher weapon skill, it becomes easier for you to hit your opponent. But if your weapon skill is lower than your opponent's, it becomes more difficult for you to hit. So there's sort of that slower and slower as in like there's a chart you need to check. It's not just looking at the card and go, all right, four plus, here we go. It's slower in that regard, but I feel like that better represents the idea of different armies fighting each other. It actually represents like when two highly skilled units are up against each other, they're like an equal match. But when you take that highly skilled unit against a much less skilled unit, they just churn through them. And it gives that, it makes individual unit types feel more distinct from each other. We talked about all these models in these movement trays, but not necessarily every model on the table is in a tray because there are some models that are solo, yep. probably a little bit larger that can act on their own. Yeah. So similar, and this is in, I believe, 40K and Age of Sigmar, there are lords and a 40K, I'm pretty sure they're called the general, which is sort of the leader of your army. And there are heroes, which are sort of weaker, but these are all what they call characters. And characters are in Edge of Sigmar 40k. And those are your individual units. Similar to like 40k, there are vehicles. There is like the Imperial Steam Tank, our artillery, there's catapults and cannons, and all those can be taken as individual units. And when you look at the stats for a unit, it'll say like what its minimum unit size can be. For instance, a unit of Chaos Warriors must have at least five units in it. Whereas just an Empire Great Cannon can just be taken on its own. It doesn't need a minimum unit size. So let's talk about some of the, the, the general gameplay. We're sitting down. We're getting ready to play a game. You've built a list. And a yes. list is basically a certain number of points where each uh, unit has a certain point value. And that's going to be very similar to Age of Sigmar and 40K. Typically, it's 2,000 points. And like you said, every every unit, every model, I should say, has its own point value and you have to ideally equal that number but you can go below it you just cannot go above it when we start playing a game each round is, takes place over several phases so on your turn you will do all four of your phases which are the strategy movement shooting and combat phases really so it's not me move you move i shoot you shoot correct but the idea here is that when you're in like close combat you're both rolling for damage every close combat so it's not like you're not doing damage on your turn oh so you both both attack at the same time like in melee yes. correct okay i didn't realize that okay so that makes it not like i'm just sitting in my arms folded for 10 minutes while you're taking your turn the longest part about that would be the movement okay and i will not go in depth in this because the most in-depth part of warhammer the old world is the movement it is very particular in the sense that when you move in one unit, you turn by picking a corner and pivoting around that corner. And that's what's referred to as a wheel. Okay. So it's not like you can just pick up and then pivot at the center mm -hmm. 90 degrees. You could, but I believe that's its own role. <laughs> that's another maneuver. It's what they call them. There's many, many maneuvers. And this is where there could be a lot of downtime when you get to the point and... Again, I cannot verify this, but I do believe 
per model units are cheaper by point in fantasy. Meaning I do think there will be more models on the table in a 2000 point Warhammer fantasy game than or Warhammer the Old World game than there will be in a Warhammer Age of Sigmar game. Okay. So when you move faster because you move units as a blob. So even though you might have 170 models on the table, there's only like eight, eight or nine eight or actual nine units. units. Got yes. it. And so you just move those eight or nine blobs, regiments, units individually, but having to like move it up, you know, and measure the wheel out and then keep moving. That's where a lot of the downtime will be. So that's the second phase. The first phase, real quick, a strategy phase. And I believe that's going to be just kind of like wizards or whoever trying to buff, debuff their group. <laughs> so this is a change from older fantasy editions. Oh, okay. Because I did start playing me and Brett, start playing some Warhammer Fantasy through Tabletop Simulator, and we tried Army's Project and 6th Edition. So forgive me if I get a little bit of Army's Project. That's an unofficial mm. rule set. But I am familiar with 8th and 6th Editions. You mentioned buffs and debuffs. There was a magic phase previously, but that was removed. Okay. So the strategy phase is essentially your upkeep. A lot of spells or magic items will have something that says like it'll last until the start of your turn so this is sort of the officially codified start of turn there's no ambiguity you start with the start of turn and sort of the strategy phase is cleaning all that up okay now looking at the uh the player aid which by the way a, a four page <laughs> well it's like a four two page fold out player aid uh, quickly good player aid bad player aid what do you think serviceable it's serviceable. serviceable okay it has the right tables and yes. they have enough to get you through but there's going to be a lot of specifics that you need to consult the rule book about mainly pertaining to special rules yes and it does i will say it does have the page number for each of the yes. sections on the yep. player aid where to go nice. so the reason i'm saying that so strategy phase is actually broken up into four parts start a turn command conjuration rally fleeing to troops which Every you just kind of went over has four sub phases oh that yes. is so there are 16 sub phases in your turn <laughs> Again, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty, but like during your movement, like I cannot stress this enough. There is quite a bit. This is definitely a game for people who like that crunch and they like those rules. So then you, you go through the, let's see, we talk about the movement phase, the shooting phase. I assume you mean by with range weapons. Yeah, range weapons or magic missiles. So there is still magic. Yep. But they sort of recategorized all the spells and now you just cast... Spells in their requisite phases. Um, previous versions of Warhammer Fantasy Battle had the magic phase. It still had four phases, but instead of the the strategy phase, it was the uh, magic phase. And this would just be when you cast all types of spells. And different spells would have different things. Magic missiles acted like you were shooting into something, but it was still done during the magic phase. Same with buffs and debuffs. Um, but here, spells still have a type but their type determines on what phase they are played in. So magic missiles are still in the game. I don't know if they're called something different, but- I think they're still called magic missiles. Magic missiles still in the game, but they're done during the shooting phase this time. Buffs and debuffs, I forgot the actual term for them. I don't remember the actual term for them either. Hexes and augments were the old name for them. Yes, and I think they did have a slightly altered name. They're done during the command phase. They're done at the start of your turn. Magic phase is no longer a thing, but magic is still in the game. And they kind of reworked how magic is done. Okay. So then after that, we go to the combat phase, which y'all talked about already. So if I guess if you're if you're close enough to somebody, 
You go into this melee. Is the absolute most straightforward part, <laughs> but also time consuming. One, but also time consuming. <laughs> so, uh, yes, everyone in melee will be taking attacks. And again, going back to each unit having a bit more granularity, there is an initiative statistic. And in combat, you move from whoever has the highest initiative to whoever has the lowest. So if Travis had a unit of four initiative and I had a unit of three initiative, his attacks would go through before I had a chance to attack. Correct. If we were already in base-to-base contact in melee. (laughs) And just to give you a hint of what it's like, if you charged for each full inch you charged up to a max of three, you gain bonus initiative. And that's one thing. There will be a lot of little things like that you need to keep track. And most miniature games have some sort of charge mechanic yes. uh, built into it. Yeah. And in this game, you have to charge to get into close combat. That was something also in Age of Sigmar. So I think players, Age of Sigmar players should already be familiar with that. Like similar to Age of Sigmar, you cannot in a normal move end within a certain inches one inch one inch so it's like yes just like you'll have to like i declare a charge right here and then that's how you move in now i didn't mention or it may have went in passing these are it's a d6 based system combat system so you're gonna, be, you're gonna be rolling a ton of little d6s over the over the course of the game so that's what you'll mainly be using it's played on a what size table they recommend for 1000 to 3000 points a table that is 44 inches by 60 inches. So a little under four feet by five feet. 44 inches is the weird one. <laughs> That's a weird one. 60 inches makes sense, but 40 yeah. inches is a little odd. Uh, yeah, okay. So you are going to need a decent size uh, service. And so both these games, if you're going to have, I'm sure terrain co- is going to come into play for Absolutely. movement. A uh, line of sight will probably be there Ooh, for for, <laughs> yep. for range and all this stuff. So, or for, yeah, for any probably the shooting, you got to have a line of sight, etc. We make this joke all the time on the show. How complicated is line of sight? How is line of sight in this game? Uh, is it getting down and looking behind the model? So and yes. They do recommend oh, yes. that. Okay. They rec- and they say, as a general rule, if a model's like in front of it, they don't have line of sight. Mm. It's easy to tell there is a front arc. Since each model's on a square base, you take the, squ- the side of the square that's the front, and then just extend that out infinitely by the corners, and that mm-hmm. sort of gives you a front arc. And so you can see anything in your front arc but if something's obstructing it, your vision right there stops. So it it is kind of if uh, you can draw from a point on your base to a point on someone else's base unobstructed, that model will have line of sight. Just because one model has line of sight does not mean the entire unit does. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's laser lines that people used to use where you could put it, and if you could ha- if the laser would go all the line would go all the way from one model to the other, you have line of sight. You yep. can still use stuff like that. Yep, yep, that is still applicable. No, okay. So probably the most fun of the game is going to be uh, the combat. Is this a typical sort of thing where you roll to hit, roll for damage, roll for saves? Yep, it'll be roll to see if you hit, roll to see if you wound, and if they have saves, you roll to saves. You'll be familiar with that. Uh, Do I have to roll for each individual little plastic model, or is it per unit? You roll just the unit. Okay. So okay. we like, for instance, I'll count how many dudes I have in base-to-base contact, see how many, what my attack characteristic is, and that'll be just like Age of Sigmar. That's how many attacks you get. And then you just roll them all at the same time. And it's easy to just whittle it down like that. If I have 12 attacks and five hit, well, I'll just take the five that hit and I'll roll those to see if those wound. And if those wound, you can just pass like the three or however many that wounded to whoever you're playing with. They'll roll the saves. Oh, that's, that's a smart idea. So you just keep passing the dice back and forth, and that way you ain't got to count out how many to, to pick up. So, you know, that's a real clever way. And 
outside of to seeing to hit if when you compare your weapon skill to each other, then seeing if you wound when you compare your strength to the opponent's toughness, uh, the biggest difference in combat, and this is a very big difference, is that at the end of the combat round, each individual combat, which is units in base-to-base contact with each other, you have to see who wins that combat. And a step called combat resolution. You score points based on how many wounds you have, or how many wounds you dealt, how much damage you dealt to the enemy. If you have like a flag, if you're flanking, how many complete rows you have behind it, if you're outnumbering your enemy, there's a lot to it, but you will determine and then see who wins. Whoever scores the most points wins that combat, and then the loser takes the difference of their points to the opponent's, subtracts that from their leadership, then makes a leadership test to see if they run away, if they lose. And if you tie, you keep fighting. So it's one it's of those things, thing. I guess once you get into the flow, it's it's not too bad. You guys can probably start memorizing the tables yeah, and, and stuff like that. And it's good to, like, if I lose three models, I'll just take them out and put them right behind the tray. Just remember, like, I took three wounds. Mm-hmm. And then also, it's just like, we both have a, we both have a standard. So we're just not going to count the standards since they cancel each other out. That won't matter. And so things like that, there's a lot of things you can do to speed it up and you'll, you get faster as you play, but it definitely might seem a little strange at first actually playing it, but it's, it is good to think about it as like it trying to sort of simulate Mm -hmm. a battle. What's an average size army? 2,000 points? 2,000. 2,000. 2,000 is still the standard. That Once you, so we've only had this box put together. We're going to talk about the box that we got in a second. Um, only a week or so. So there had not been a lot of playing. But once once you feel comfortable with the rules, how long am I looking to play a 2,000-point game? Minimum four hours. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. So this isn't a quickly set up and be put away in one hour. Ooh. This is a game for dedicated war gamers i feel like this is a game where you call up your buddy a week in advance go next saturday you want to play warhammer yeah Yeah, i'll clear the day out i see i see so i'm more partial to like skirmish games where i can play Mm -hmm. uh what was the uh the game yeah war cry which i absolutely loved very few models small board play in one hour Mm -hmm. that's my speed but this is definitely all right we're setting up we're gonna sit down order some pizza and we're gonna play for the next four hours Yes. yes it is it is an event Oh, I like that. I like I like events. All right. Let's talk about uh, the box that we got. So we got the Tomb Kings. Okay. The, the first two sets that are coming out, the core boxes are two King, Tomb Kings and Bretonia. And they, they specifically chose these two because they are not present in Age of Sigmar. Speaking of which, if I play Age of Sigmar, can I use those models in this game? It depends. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For instance, I'm a big Warriors of Chaos fan. Mm-hmm. And currently I have... Age of Sigmar Chaos Warrior sculpts just standing on the properly sized base. And they're all together and it works fine. So there are absolutely units like that you can cross pollinate or you can just, as long as it's on the correct base size, just say like, oh, this model is this model instead. For instance, Slaves to Darkness in Age of Sigmar is obviously the easiest comparison to the Warriors of Chaos and Fantasy. So if you're familiar with the uh, Slaves to Darkness, they have Chaos Warriors, Chosen, Demon Prince, Chaos Lord, Chaos Sorcerer, Knights. All those things are in fantasy. And I'm using the Age of Sigmar models to play fantasy. Old world. Old world. My okay, mistake. Yeah, I'm okay. sorry. Sorry. But in Age of Sigmar, there's the unit, the Ogroid Theradons, I think they're called. Those are not in 
old world. Mm -hmm. So you cannot use them, but they look kind of bull-like. So if you put them on the proper base, you could say that they're a minotaur. Mm -hmm. And as long as, you know, the other player accepts that, then you're good. But there is a lot of like one-to-one analogous models in Age of Sigmar and Old World. So even though they're only releasing these boxes for Tomb Kings or Petonia, they've also released books for other factions in case you have those models and you can build your points list and see what their stats are and everything like that too. Yep. The big thing would just be bases. You need to either find a tray to let you put around bases to make it seem like it's rank and file or go insane and remove the bases <laughs> from your current models and then rebase them. Yeah, we're just talking to somebody's probably going to come out and Games Workshop did not come out with a tray that could take the standard size round bases that go on the typical units and put them in a tray. The Sabbat bases. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, all right. So, the Tomb Kings uh, box is what we got. Um, it's priced at US dollars, 290 bucks. It comes with a rule book, which if you buy it online, and by the way, we're recording this today, the pre-order is open. <laughs> and as of right now- They're listed as temporarily out of stock. Yeah. The so, the rule book is $70 out of stock. The core box for the Bretonia out of stock. They still have Tomb King at this point. But it sounds to me that if the if the core rule book is sold out, but not all the box sets are, that means a lot of people are buying this to use their existing models. Now, it is worth saying $70 might sound like a ton for a rule book, but this is a 350-page like hardcover, very, very nice mm-hmm. volume. And to be honest with you, you could go to online stores. Uh, yeah. they, do, they do sell a discount. This is full price uh, from Games Workshop. All right, so going back to the box. The box has the rule book, which is valued at $70. So we're taking the $290, taking it down $100, $220. It comes with a spray template, a couple other... Um, oh, which uh, Age of Sigmar fans will not be familiar with. The spray and oh, blast templates. Yes, that's right. I'm which I personally through, <laughs> love. Because I played War Machine and I had it then. So yeah, those are new templates that the Age of Sigmar didn't have to deal with. It comes with some dice. As well as the scatter dice slash artillery dice, mm. which are specific to Old World. Specific as in, you're, you're not going to be able to go to Target and buy these. Like You'll need to buy like artillery dice. And the difference is they have their own unique symbols. And it's used for artillery. Okay, yeah. But they're just, it's just important to know, those are specific dice and you need to buy them specialty. Yeah, it's kind of like a, if you play Blood Bowl, there's something called a scatter die. Uh, it's oh, the same sort of thing. It's an it's, it's arrow that points. Yeah, like yeah. when you drop a ball, it tells you which same way the thing. ball is going to go. Uh, same sort of thing. Okay, so let's say that's around 20 bucks. So we're now down to $200. The, this uh, Tomb King set comes with 93 models. And to me, 93 models from Games Workshop for $200 doesn't sound like a bad deal. It does not, and it's these are good models. I think they're I think they're old sculpts that they reuse from. I, I believe the horsemen, chariots, warriors, and archers are all old sculpts, but the new tomb prince and the necrolith dragon is definitely new. Yep. Although these are old sculpts, these are really good sculpts. They have a lot of detail. They have a lot of characteristics. Each. Like warriors have a choice of like three, four different hand weapons they could pick from, um, spears they can pick from, a variety of different heads and chests. And this uh, extends to the chariots, this extends to the horsemen, and this extends to the archers. There's a lot of character to these models. They're very high quality. 
there is also the new Necrolith Bone Dragon and the new Tomb Prince model as well. And they look good. They have their own rules. And this is not a box for beginners. <laughs> okay. That, All I, right. I think that's the big kicker here is that if you don't know if you like miniature games or not, this is not the the thing for you to get. Because assembly is kind of a pain? Because assembly is massive. You're building 93 <laughs> models. <laughs> right. A lot of it's tedious. You're building 40, genuinely 40 skeleton warriors, it's not 36 yeah, it's skeleton like, archers. So that, like that right there, 76 of these models, it's going to be, you will like assembly line legs, torso, head. Mm-hmm. Which is what we did. All Which three is of what us were like a little assembly line. Did. Somebody would snip, somebody would glue, you know. And, and, then, and then from there, it's just what arms and accessories you put on it determines whether it's a archer or a warrior. But it is... It is a a lot of snipping, a lot of holding. Specifically, you said it was because we can see their skeleton. We know exactly what part connects to what. (laughs) So for warriors and archers, you're going to be connecting their spine to the pelvis. Everything else is a ball and socket um, joint, which makes it easier to glue Mm -hmm. except this where it's just two flat parts you need to squish together. And sometimes... There's a little bit of a little bit of a roundness that you have to file down to make sure they get good connecting points, and other times that just doesn't happen, and they're a bit of a pain. These are definitely old school. You get like I, we should have counted beforehand, but it's like ten or so of the exact same sprue. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah, this is a huge box of sprues, y'all. Yes, and there are a Big lot of pieces box. you'll never use because, like you said, there's options. So there's a lot of pieces that won't even be using you well i guess you can kit bash later on probably save them in case you want to do any kit bashing i do kit bashing yeah so I do a lot of kit bashing um so there there is that so that's what comes in that huge box and like you said it's it's not a beginner's box so this is one of those things that if you're interested in the old world but you don't know if you want to invest in it find somebody go to a game store guarantee this is going to be played all over the place you have a local game store it seems to be pretty popular right now people have been waiting for years on it and just try it out yourself to see if you even want to get into it and if you don't like either one of these armies just know that you're going to be able to buy those other factions in case you're interested in those. Now, even though it is a bad box for beginners, it is a good box to start out with. Because they they said, and I'm sure the Bretonia one is the same, uh, it is 1,250 points. Mm-hmm. Perfectly fine to play a game with 1,250 points. Because mm-hmm. that's what we did. Because we, we didn't have enough Tomb Kings. So we just played our 1,250 point game. And that that's already a solid game right there. And for less than 300 USD, that's shockingly low yeah and bretonia was only 255 i guess maybe there's just maybe fewer units in there so it was uh, it's definitely cheap. fewer yeah, bottles yeah, there are fewer models all right so getting into it with the with the box may be tough rules if nobody's ever played before you probably oh. want to have somebody hold your hand to yes do your research watch videos okay yeah if you've never ever played a miniature war game in your life it's a lot to go through and a lot of it's going to seem a little not, not unnecessary but a like obtuse Mm -hmm. but i think it's important to know that they're trying to turn war into a game like they're trying to implement different sort of ideas in older style of warfare so there's a lot of fiddly bits that facilitate that but like that's what i like about it okay good that's a perfect segue because i was going to ask you guys all of us have played a little bit of 40K. Yep. Play a little bit of Age of Sigmar. Age of Sigmar. 
What got you pumped about the old world and what makes you want to play this game over the other Games Workshop games? First and foremost, Tomb Kings are my favorite Warhammer, Age of Sigmar, 40k, just Warhammer faction. I love the Tomb Kings. I love their aesthetic. And it's something that something like the Night Haunts and Age of Sigmar did not recapture. And the Necrons are good, but I still like classic real skeletons over that. And I do prefer fantasy over sci-fi. Because of that, I just geared myself more towards the old world and fantasy battle. But I also prefer the spectacle of having 93 models on the table instead of 40Ks. The equivalent would be probably something around 30 or 40 depending on the faction. I, I'm, I'm remembering my 8th edition list. The big thing was I had 40 Plague Bears, but that was just for me because the actual bulk of the army was Plague Burst Crawlers and Fetid Blight Drones. Mm-hmm. And it was mostly just Plague Bears used to gum up objectives and then the vehicles run around and kill things. So it's it's definitely... Because we played a 1,250 point yeah, game. Yeah. So once you add 750 points, more points yeah. on top of 93 units... It's, it's going to be a lot. So for you, it's faction, it's theme, yep. but Age of Sigmar is also fantasy. It doesn't have Tomb King. doesn't have, <laughs> it doesn't have, have Tomb King. The difference is Age of Sigmar is a lot more, and this, this is kind of a weird word to use because the older Warhammer rules is called Warhammer fantasy, mm-hmm. but Age of Sigmar is a lot more fantastical. Like when you look at the protagonist army in Age of Sigmar, the Stormcast Eternals, mm-hmm. they're all, you know, massively armored riding like they're called like the star dragons and they're flying and but like the protagonist army in old world is the empire and they're just they are just normal guys holding normal spears and normal halberds all right so the theme makes a big deal so i think a big question for me is why do you like the rank and file rank and flank over just moving individual models what what does that bring to the table that you like over 40k and h sigmar it makes it a more strategic game. I think it like I think it's a more deliberate. You, you still need to like think in the moment and on your feet. It is fun like having your strategy and trying to have that pan out. Because Age of Sigmar in 40k, it's a lot of like scoring objectives. Mm-hmm. And there's still like scoring objectives here. But I feel like it better facilitates just having a field battle. Because sometimes you just have two armies clash into each other. And I feel like this is a much better game of two armies clashing into each other. Okay. Now, I know for people who maybe have a hard time picturing this. uh, So if you're a video gamer and over the years you've played any of the Total War uh, series, it's that sort of deal where you have a regiment of a bunch of um, units and you have them move and they all move yep. together and they all attack together. It's yep. the same sort of deal. And to me, it does feel like where maybe Age of Sigmar, I feel like I'm a little bit closer to the battlefield. Yes. It seems with this, I'm even further away and seeing bigger movements between uh, these regiments. And maybe it's more of a long-term strategy as opposed to short-term tactical. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you brought up Total War because if you did play the, you know, Total War Warhammer, a lot of these concepts are going to be immediately familiar to you. Like, like you said, just moving the blobs, just the idea of just generally what you're supposed to do with infantry and cavalry and missile units. But then also just a lot of terms and just a lot of familiarity. Like you're going to be seeing, like if you played the Wars of Chaos, you'll be seeing 
Chaos Warriors, Chaos Chosen, Chaos Chaos Knights. A lot of stuff you're familiar with, a lot of spells you're familiar with. If you're a big fan of Total War Warhammer and you want to kind of implement that on the tabletop, this is the system this you want to do. This is the one. The, especially if you like played Warhammer Fantasy or Total War Warhammer and you like played as the Wood Elves and you're like, I love the Wood Elves. And then you went and you go play Age of Sigmar because you see that that's the currently running fantasy Warhammer game. Mm-hmm. The, I don't even, this Sylvaneth? Yeah, something like that. Yep, Sylvaneth are not the same. Like, if you wanted, like, the Hawk Riders and the War Dancers and the Way Watchers, you're not getting that. And that's that's one thing, me personally, I wasn't too big on in Age of Sigmar. They really compartmentalize a lot of the factions. They, like, took just, like, a certain subset of units from an army and then, like, turned that into a whole faction, which I wasn't too big on. Because I feel like it cuts down on a lot of the creativity and variety which is there in spades in old world it is a this and fantasy battles are highly highly customizable in terms of like your armies and how you cut out like characters because characters can take a slew of magic items which all have their own point value there's a bunch of different loadouts chaos warriors can take a hand weapon and shields two hand weapons great weapons halberds there's a lot a lot of customization and I don't think I actually answered this question. I think I, I think I dodged it. But one of the reasons I like, I prefer Old World and Fantasy Battle to Age of Sigmar is that because of that like level of customization and the fact that I'm not really like picking, I'm losing all my Age of Sigmar terminology, a warband where there are like certain warbands where if you took a certain number of units, you got bonuses. I liked not having that because it let my army feel more like my army, mm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you're a big Total War Warhammer fan, you might want to check this out. I think so. So what do you think? Y'all, y'all have played a game. You've, I mean, is this one of those you're going to... The, there's faction books out. I, well, in fact, Travis, you pre-ordered. I, I pre-ordered them. You pre-ordered the faction books for your your factions and stuff. So And factions I don't play. Okay, cool. Cool. So if you have um, Age of Sigmar models, you know you can get those. If you never played this or have any Age of Sigmar models, know that there are factions out there that you can pick up that they will support. I'm really curious to see where Games Workshop goes with this. Obviously, they're going to keep Old World and Age of Sigmar. I'm curious once it gets out there, what people are going to like more. I I think this will remain the more niche game because I think in terms of mainstream war games, this might be the most complicated mainstream war game right now Mm. in 2024. If not, Viewers, like, tell me what the more complicated one is because I w- would want to check it out. That's not a joke. But I think, like, because of that complexity and a little more groundedness to its aesthetics, it might not be as immediately appealing. But it's one of those cases where it's it's a more – it's a deeper experience. You know, I can't speak for war gamers, but I could imagine more enfranchised, like, long-term war gamers maybe gravitating towards this. They don't like – they don't like the speediness and gaminess of Age of Sigmar and they want something more like this. I think they'll occupy different habitats in their ecosystem. Kind of like um, Horse Heresy, exactly. which was released, is very yep. probably still a very much niche game compared to 40K. Yep. And you feel this may fall into that same sphere. But I, And I think that's Games Workshop's intention and hopefully their goal. This won't kill Age of Sigmar. Definitely not. Ideally, they'll all happily coexist. Mm-hmm. So, are you guys all in? I think I am. Yeah, I think I am. Uh, you're going to uh, multiple armies, or just kind of start out the one, filling it out, and maybe I, do multiple I, armies I, later. I'm going to finish up 
the Warriors of Chaos. I have like a pretty much completed Warriors of Chaos list. I just need like two more boxes of Warriors and that'll be 2,000 points. And once I get those painted up, I'll sit and wait patiently for the dwarfs they show off. Gotcha. And I guess you need to get to 2,000 points, Brett. For me, I'm going to fill up the 2,000 points on Tomb Kings and then I'll be looking towards what they do with the Beastmen Mm. further down the line. Got it. Got it. Okay. One thing I forgot to totally ask, how do you, how do you win this game? Is it scenario based or? There are multiple scenarios. And then that just one field battle, there are victory points you achieve. Standards are a common thing in the game that give you more points towards your combat resolution. And you get points for standards that you claim. And then there's also a way to just, after the time limit, there's, it's six rounds. Got it. Uh, You see who lost the most points on their table. Mm Mm-hmm. And then whoever had the most points remaining wins. But there's still like some of the more objective-based stuff, which changes like where you deploy on the table and what you actually do during the battle. But just the way the rules work, you can like just play. It's just our armies fighting together and we see who who wins. So it is fixed at six rounds. After that, you stop and then evaluate at that yeah. point. So there is an end point. It's just that t- six rounds could take four hours. It, it will take four hours. So <laughs> it could take six hours. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, guys, it was, it's been a lot of fun sitting down there with y'all, oh, yeah. putting together the models and everything and learning how to play from you guys and everything like that. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of people to play with. I know that you got each other to play with and you're trying to goad some of your friends. We're trying. <laughs> We're trying. We're whittling them down. In, into trying to get in, into this game. So, We've been waiting since 2019. I don't even know we knew it was called the old world at the time. They just started teasing it. It's coming. We knew it had square bases. That's yeah. like the first thing they showed us. So five years in the waiting, you guys filled the time playing the old rules on TTS, playing hours and hours of Total War Warhammer. A lot. Prepping A for lot. it. It's here. Does it fit what you wanted it to be? Is there anything in it that's missing or is like, this is exactly what I wanted? I don't think there's anything missing. I don't think it is fundamentally any different than what older, and by older, my knowledge of fantasy like ends with 6th edition, 6th mm-hmm. through 8th. It's not drastically different than that. There's small differences, but broadly speaking, it is very similar, and I am very, very, very much okay with that. As am I. Excellent. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Um, I know that uh, you guys have been playing with unpainted models, so... It's going to take a while to paint. Uh, thank, thankfully, contrast paints, Brett. You yep. do have an easier way to do the skeletons. Yep. Uh, your Chaos Warriors are probably a little more detailed. Yeah, I have to do my... I got a bespoke color scheme I'm going with. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Uh, it is on pre-order as of the drop of this recording, but it'll be out soon. It's going to be in all your local game stores, probably some online stores. If you want a little bit better deal, you can find it online. Like our sponsor, Miniature Market, does carry Games Workshop products, and they give you the max discount there that you can. Guys, thanks a lot. I can't wait to see where your journey goes uh, with the old world. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. Have you paid off your Christmas bills yet? Well, if you have, great. So head over to miniaturemarket.com and be sure to pick you up some of the newest, brightest games that they have over there. Click on that new arrivals button as you scroll down that page and up pops the newest games that they have for you to drop a little money on. 
Matter of fact, as you heard in the show, Coffee Rush is over there right now for $27.99. You can pick that up at miniaturemarket.com. Be sure to, hey, you know what, guys? Let's all come together. Let's get some free shipping. Don't forget about that. It's a great way to share. Just make sure that if someone's in your group to get free shipping, that they do not do a pre-order on you. We learned our lesson in 2023 about that. And there's always the great sales, constant sales going on over at Miniature Market as they do the clearance. Matter of fact, they just had a big one at the start of the year where you could go on there. They also have a coupon that's going on right now where you may be able to check your email. If you didn't sign up for email, you didn't get that code for the coupon. And I'm not going to give you my coupon code, but I know I got like it 20% off if I put in an order. God, I hope that thing's still active. So always be constantly looking out for the Miniature Market ads or emails that come into your box, make sure they're not in your spam account. Head over to miniaturemarket.com and let's start off 2024 by giving yourself a game. As I was typing this topic in the show notes, Tony, I put the three top movies of 2023. Then I realized, did you even step in the theater in 2023 more than three times? No. Okay. I didn't. (laughs) And if you go back and listen to our movie one, there wasn't a single, I don't think there was a single one that I said I would go see mm. in the theater, except maybe Oppenheimer. Did you see it in the theater? No. Okay. I just recently saw it. Matter of fact, I, I saw it Friday night uh, at the house. What did you think? Well, first off, watching it with Donna, do you, what was the name of the war movie that had the three different time Dunkirk. segments? Dunkirk. By Christopher Nolan, same guy. She thought the movie was incredible, but she could not keep up with the time. I had to explain to her afterwards. I was like, the plane was in the hours. The other one was in, was in the, know, the, the day. Days. Yeah, I know. What you, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she's like, oh. And so when we were watching Oppenheimer, his jumping around, you really need to be in time. I love the movie. Thought it was amazing. The only thing I did not realize, and someone explained it to me, was that, yes, Strauss was that vindictive he was oh. that mean i didn't real. i'm like why would the man just a few incidents and he was that bad he says oh yeah he was that bad oh okay okay so Van- vanessa didn't see it so i'd like to see it again uh so she mm-hmm. can watch it the bad thing is sitting at home is you can't recreate that soundtrack because the sonic scape no. he built was just amazing in the theater and you heard the soundtrack on that is that, you know, atmospheric, deep, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. There, there's this one theme, you you would know it if you heard it, where it like slows down and speeds up and all this stuff in the theater was just amazing. That would have probably been doing when they were waiting on the Sonic from the Atomic Blast, maybe? Uh, no, it was that. it was used several times. Uh, used several I'll, times. I'll okay. send you a link to it because the other day okay. I was listening to it and I, I was impressed because uh, I saw a, a YouTube video on how that... Uh, when they were recording that and because the tempo was constantly changing, it was very tough for the conductor to speed up, slow down, speed up and slow down and keep the orchestra with him. So anyway, so I thought that was, that was really cool. So yeah, uh, well, if she has an issue with Oppenheimer and Dunkirk, I assume she will not watch Tenet. Tenet. No, no. Good. Mm-hmm. Because no. Don- that'll really blow her mind. Yes. And see, I haven't even watched Tenet yet, so I need to even though I borrowed it from Bert and he said, have you watched it yet? I said, no. So I gave it back to him. Yeah. It, I walked to that movie going, I had to watch it again because I am deeply confused on what I just saw. So, all right. Okay. So anyway, my top three movies for me personally, Oppenheimer. Well, it's tough because there's a lot of tie. Oppenheimer was really good as a film. I saw the iron claw 
Did you ever follow that wrestling family in the 90s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We talked about this on the last show, and I'm very excited. I'm going to see that. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to see that one in the theater. That was definitely up there. You haven't Have you seen Spider-Man across the uh, no. multiverse? Oh, uh, that's one of my top movies of the year. As an action movie, I love John Wick 4. I thought that was really good. I'm doing more than three. I don't care. But my number one, easily by far, was Godzilla Minus One. That got high, high in Rotten Tomato rankings. It got high from everyone. And I saw it in the theater twice. It is, it is not what you expect when you go to see a Godzilla movie. You're just not expecting a movie of this quality and a Godzilla film of all things. We did go see a movie, uh, matter of fact, just... Uh, yesterday, uh, and it was Boys in the Boat. I don't know if that's a 2024 or 2023. Mm. And that one was a, a feel-good movie about the uh, 1936 eight-man crew rowing team that beat the Germans. Um, I've seen trailers for that. Who's the lead in it? I don't know. Some blonde guy. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. You know I okay. don't pay attention to that stuff. All right. But it so was, anyway, it, yeah. what was it on? What was it on? Is about an eight-man crew no, no, rowing no, no. team. What, what what service was it on? It was in the theater. Am I? Oh, not you went on the theater. We actually went to a theater. It floored me that we went to a theater. So we might be going back in 2024, where she'll go on and see um, movies on Tuesday night, 50 percent off night. Oh, it was uh, directed by uh, George Clooney, and the um, star was Joel Egerton. That's it. Okay, that means nothing. I know the Clooney guy. Yeah, Clooney. That Clooney was the one that was kind of the big name associated with it. So yeah, so yeah, I'm very interested in that. I don't. Need, that's one I don't need to see in the theater, but I am interested in seeing it. I was going to say everybody had read the book, but me. So I, I didn't. Well, not everybody. Well, Donna hadn't read it, so that. And oh, and back to Oppenheimer. I didn't realize that was the Scarecrow. Oh yeah, yep. Uh, okay. L- Nolan always liked him as an actor. He didn't. Here's the thing is. Acting-wise, I don't see how you can't give all the awards to him. He was amazing, and so was Robert Downey Jr. I didn't even know that was Robert Downey Jr. I know. <laughs> he did such a good job. I was uh, like, wait a minute, that's Robert. I, I kept, I was kept thinking that was somebody else. What you need to do is go, yes, go look up the cast of Oppenheimer and go, oh, that was him. Oh, that was him. <laughs> That's what I found out after the movie. Well, yeah, it was like, I go, that was Emma Stone. Madonna's like, well, yeah. I'm like, well, I didn't know that. Uh, the only one I r- immediately picked up was on R- R- Rami. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, you have Dr. Hill. Donna goes, well, who's that? And I go, Freddie Mercury. Yep, yep. Oh, see, Emily Blunt was in it, right? Yeah, she was the yeah. wife. Oh, not Emma Stone, Emily Blunt. I go, that yeah, was Emily, Emily Blunt. Blunt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a who's who. Basically, everybody wants a shot to have at least a small bit in the Christopher Nolan film, so they'll do anything they can. I guess he's the man then, isn't he? He is. He is. And he's also one of these guys, too, that's very much into physical. He's like, look, uh, please don't stream my movies. Please go buy it, because I'm afraid the physical medium is going to die. Sort okay. of deal. I never saw Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I need to do mm-hmm. that. Did you see Barbie? I did see Barbie. So we saw it last night. And I read your review on Facebook. I didn't do a put a review on Facebook. I thought, you, where were you? T- oh, maybe it was on our Discord channel where you I'd talked about Vanessa. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what did you and Donna think of it? I can't remember. It was a very light, feel-good movie. Okay. Did Donna like it? No. no. Vanessa did not like it either. And she mm. was the stinking audience. I said, did you have Barbie? She said, I had tons of Barbies. I had the Corvette and I had the dream house. And I was like, it didn't float your boat. She said, 
the message at the end for Ken and Barbie. I like the message that they got. She said, as far as the movie itself, she said, I just didn't enjoy it. She said, how did this make over a billion dollars? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it, it depends on the movie. Like a lot of people liked it. They liked the message about strong women, so forth and so on. That's, you know, Hey, there's a lot of movies that I like that a lot of people don't like. I mean, I like the message that Shawshank sends. Don't go to prison. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's what it says. Um, I saw, I'm going through the list of, you know, movies uh, off of Rotten Tomatoes. I saw Tetris and that was pretty good. But I'm not, once again, you know, that was the one you told me to watch. I love that one. Um, now that you've seen it, go watch the real documentary on YouTube. There's some things that were kind of over glorified in it. It's like they weren't being chased by anybody. There was a big car chase in the movie that didn't exist. That sort of thing. Yeah, I, I didn't expect that to be. Yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta make it somewhat good, you know, to to hold people's attention. And I'm sitting here going through a whole bunch of them, and I'm down, all down to the two, uh, the top 168. And out of those, I think I saw three of them. Mm. So that's where I am on movies. So your top three were Spider Man, Godzilla is for sure number one. Spider Man was up there. John Wick four. As a film, I really appreciate as film as like films. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oppenheimer was really good and Iron Claw was done really well too. It was like as far as acting and everything that goes into making a movie, but as far as entertainment and enjoyment, it was, it was probably those other three that I really got a big kick out of. Okay. I, I know I, I'm looking forward to 2024 get our, um, hopefully Kirkman and Patrice will be back. Yes. Can't wait. Now it could be a light year because of the strike that was last year. So a lot mm. of things may have been pushed. So we may not have a lot of movies to talk about in the summer, which means a shorter show, which is good. That's always, yeah. Well, or they could be just as long and Dan could go on a tangent somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> it's not what he's going to do. All right. So the one thing that has bothered me during the holiday season, it's usually bowl game season. Oh yeah. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it straight from the notes. College football bowl games suck. Mm. It is not what it used to be. Plain and simple. I watched maybe two. I could care less who's going to win the national title because they're not my schools. But still, I think with the way they've structured it, people sitting out, which I completely understand because you are messing with your ability to make money. I just don't understand them anymore. I don't think they'll hold the appeal. That's my opinion. Everybody else who loves football. You enjoy those games and you watch those games, but there was one, I think it was like some game was 63 to three or something. Somebody got trounced. Florida state got annihilated by Georgia. That's right. And that's, they all sat and they should, but there was some, I think somebody from Washington, I, I'm probably wrong on this. He got injured and it may be his career, you know? Well, now hold on. Those guys were in the national playoffs. There was nobody sitting out in those games. And I will say the two semifinal college playoff games were actually really good this year. They were? Oh, yes. I didn't care. Yes. Al- Alabama-Michigan was a really good game, went to overtime, and so was the Washington-Texas uh, uh, also okay. was a really good game. too. So actually, those two games actually meant something because the winners got to go play for the championship. Those were actually good this year. Okay. I figured they people were like, you know what? This is my moneymaker. I'm not going to go take a chance. No, most people will not sit out if there's a chance to win a championship. Okay. Yeah. See, so, I, I just gave up on it. I was now, saying, now yeah. next year, you know, there's going to be 12 teams in the playoffs, so it could change the way that looks next year. And so maybe they'll start meaning something again. I mean, yes. I remember growing up, these games meant something, you know? 
It, but still. Okay. Well, I'm sorry if, if I offend anybody with my college bowl game suck because I'll, I, you're right. I did not watch the play. I forgot they were even on. Mm. Mm-hmm. And people come back. Did you watch them? No. Yeah. Well, those were actually decent. Well, what actually sucks for me more is the transfer portal, but that's a whole different topic. <laughs> I don't even understand that other than what the Dr. Pepper commercials do. <laughs> It's it's like it's almost like college football has free agents now. That's exactly what it is, pretty much. And I, I've yeah, and they can get money for their likenesses yes. or something. And yeah. hey, oh, do you not I, do you not get hit up by NC State's organization to contribute money? Uh, no, we've um, put it on the unsubscribe list now. Oh, okay. So, so I think it's called Savage Wolves. No, I haven't heard this. For the Wolf Pack, where you could contribute money to go towards the NIL fund in order to keep players from going into the transfer portal. Oh, oh no. Thank goodness they never gave this to me. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. All right. So to wrap this show up, before I say keep rolling dice and you say keep taking Taking names, name? Oh, not yet. Not yet. Right. So 2024, going all the way back to hopes and wishes. So 2024... Is there any particular thing that you're looking forward to as far as any big game? I, I know I don't know of any, but usually you're the guy who's got his pulse on the nation here. Is there anything coming out that you're aware of that you, that we, besides the Star Wars? Is there anything else? Uh, wow, you really put me on the spot. Well, then that's, that helps me do the segue. So keep rolling dice. <laughs> <laughs> Taking names. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening. Remember, if you want to support the show, you can head over to buymeamoonpie.com. Thanks for those that have given at the beginning of 2024. We would love your support, too, because we are continuing to try to make the show better. Give us another 12 years, and I think we'll have this thing down. You can follow us on socials at Dyson Names, Instagram, and Twitter, or X, and we'll see you next episode. I'm not going to be here in 12 years. <laughs>